The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So as I mentioned earlier, Alberta continues to wait a word from the federal government for a financial aid package for a struggling oil and gas sector. Now over the past couple of weeks, the PM said his government was looking for ways to help and Finance Minister Bill Morneau said a package for the oil sector was hours, potentially days away. That was a couple of weeks ago. Provincial Energy Minister Sonia Savage said she's expecting details very soon. But when asked about it today, the Prime Minister had this to say. First of all, we uh, recognize that the most important thing from the very beginning was to get help out to Canadians right across the country, regardless of the sectors they're in, regardless uh, of their situation or their location. That's why we put forward two extremely strong measures that help all workers across the country. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit for people who've lost a paycheck and the emergency uh, wage subsidy uh, so that people can uh, keep their jobs uh, and be ready to come back to work when uh, the economy comes back. Uh, As I've said a number of times, we will and we are looking at more specific uh, sector-related relief and supports for those sectors that are hardest hit, whether it's the tourism sector, the airline sector, or the oil and gas industry or others, and we will have more to say on that shortly. Uh, More to say on that shortly. So once again, no answer from the Prime Minister and Alberta continues to wait. And as Albertans and Alberta does that, analysts continue to take a look at the deal OPEC and its allies agreed to on Sunday. It's a record cut in output in an effort to prop up oil prices. But is that cut good enough? We're joined this afternoon by Dan McTagg, the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy and a former Liberal MP. Dan, nice to have you back on the show. And good to be here. Thanks for having me, Jalen. All right. So is it good enough? I think we know the answer to that. That answer is no. No, but on the weekend, we certainly had a lot of cheerleaders saying it would be. And uh, obviously for uh, Canadian producers here in Alberta, Newfoundland, uh, the reality is that uh, $5 oil, $4 oil, uh, even 19 and $20 oil is not enough. And uh, uh, given the significant decrease in demand, um, I think it's a very simple mathematical equation. If you're off 30% in demand for oil products, you're going to have to at least uh, take 30% of uh, world global oil production off the table in order to uh, balance the market and to get those prices back to where it becomes somewhat salvageable for those who are remaining and producing at lower levels. We've learned that experience here in Alberta with curtailment and, of course, uh, by all estimates, well over a million barrels of oil is no longer being produced, uh, both as a result of what happened before the pandemic and certainly during uh, this period of time in which the pandemic uh, continues to, uh, for the foreseeable future, so, you know, demand uh, destroy the demand uh, the demand that has been uh, uh, so prevalent uh, certainly in the past couple of years. So, Dan, this uh, this squabble that's been going on with Russia and the, and the Saudis uh, over over the last little while, um, you know, this glut of oil that's been on the market. Um, now, this deal uh, in the long run, what, can, can you break it down to what it means for Canadians, if anything at all? Well, look, uh, we know that the Saudis and Russians had uh, had a spat, whether that was intended to hammer the American shale producers who have been walking away uh, smiling in all of this. They continue to increase their output uh, while the rest of the world has to find ways to shut down their oil. 
we find, of course, uh, that the decision was foolhardy and, of course, uh, forced both and all parties uh, not to contribute to adding more uh, supply to an already saturated uh, oil market. Worse, uh, there just isn't enough storage, floating or otherwise, mm. where you can stock away your excess oil. So someone had to blink. Uh, of course, here in Canada, we take a somewhat different approach, which is uh, markets are important. Uh, we are market-driven, and so market, market fundamentals determine price in the same way it does the United States, not so for Russia, not so for most post, most OPEC nations, uh, and certainly not the case for Russia, where state decisions uh, determine supply and demand. So uh, we're in a very in- interesting part of this, you know, this dilemma in which uh, Canadian oil producers have a lot to lose, but at the same time, I think the one saving grace is that we produce uh, a lot of oil, uh, various slates of oil, various types of oil, but we also produce heavy oil, which has been you know, dramatically more favored in the most important market for oil consumption anywhere in the world, that's the United States. Uh, refiners have spent significant amounts of money down there to reconfigure uh, building heavy cokers to take Canadian oil, because you can do more with it than you can do with shale oil. So while the, the short-term and medium-term is grim, the long-term, uh, I think, for Canadian oil is, uh, is still very, very strong and very promising, especially if we can get the odd pipeline built. Uh, of course, that's uh, not something uh, that uh, one needs a lot of rhetoric to convince most people at, uh, here in Alberta. Yeah, what are your thoughts on, on uh, uh, the Alberta government getting in on Keystone? Absolutely important that they do. Uh, look, you're going to have to back your winners here. And anybody who, anyone who thinks it's not important, it's an Alberta issue. I'm in Ontario. I recognize yeah. that 10% of all of our exports, in other words, are what's driving our GDP is oil and to a lesser extent natural gas. And when you can continue to add to that all of the products that are derived uh, from our hydrocarbons, uh, you know, almost half the Canadian economy depends in one form or another on the success of our energy sector. And so, uh, I think it's uh, pretty clear that uh, Keystone XL was a uh, uh, was sort of a gift that came to us uh, with the election of President Trump, who overturned the political decision made by President Obama. And for that reason, we had two advantages. One, uh, the pipeline had been built right to the U.S. border. So it's not likely that the Americans will suffer in the same way Canadians tend to tolerate uh, the kind of anti-pipeline shenanigans that have done so much to damage uh, not just the oil industry, but to damage the Canadian economy. Uh, they don't uh, tolerate uh, you know, pipeline blockages or rail line blockages quite the same way we like to do here in this country, which really sets the stage for why I think the Alberta government had to act. And uh, far be it for me, uh, as a long last, long-term last long Liberal member of Parliament, to comment on you know uh, what provincial governments do, but this is a, a very bold move, and I think you'll see, uh, you know, it's more likely we'll see oil flowing down the Keystone XL pipeline long before Ottawa gets uh, its act together and gets its uh, head out of the sand in terms of building the, uh, uh, the Trans Mountain pipeline, which, of course, they've been ragging the puck on for several years. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, we see we'll see uh, uh, building on on uh, Keystone uh, underway. TMX. It's okay. Well, they bought it. What? How many years ago now? Two years ago. It's uh, I, I can't even remember. And we're still kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen there. I mean, if you look at my text line, people are like, okay, well, what's going on? When will we see um, that expansion? When will we see more more uh, product moving through there to the coast? A lot of people are are uh, finding it hard to believe that that might ever happen. 
Yeah, well, it won't take long for them to believe when the country is heading into a massive recession, perhaps the most yeah. serious economic downturn since the 19, since the Great Depression. That should smarten a lot of people up here, certainly in eastern Canada, who have been able to take for granted that uh, it's just another passing part of the economy. But I recognize uh, the very first thing that everyone has to look at. When you're not selling enough oil, we're not getting the proper price because you've got pipeline shenanigans, where seven years after a pipeline is proposed, as in the case of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion, uh, you still have no pipeline, and you're out four and a half, five billion dollars in terms of uh, uh, taxpayer exposure because your politics don't necessarily meet the rhetoric. When it takes 140 pennies to buy one U.S. dollar, it means that every Canadian is out 40 percent in terms of their purchasing power. Every commodity that we consume in this country is priced in U.S. terms, and so when you denigrate your number one export, as so, so many Canadians have done, uh, indirectly or directly, uh, you uh, wind up hurting yourself, and you're really only pinching your bottom line. Uh, this is a story I think uh, that uh, uh, Eastern Canadians here need to hear more of here in Ontario, uh, Quebec, and the Maritimes that uh, uh, fighting a resource that the rest of the world wants and for which the rest of the world has no problem delivering to market and would give their right arm to have has a significant uh, cost effect uh, for everybody. And as we're heading to a recession, how are you going to pay out this $182 billion deficit that you're going to incur next year? It's not money that grows off trees. And if the government wants to pump money into the economy or print money, watch what happens. So, uh, look, we've got to back our winners here. Uh, we've got to stop killing uh, the golden goose and get oil flowing once again to the United States or wherever, whoever wants it in the world. But I know that uh, heavy oil is favored far more than light, tight shale oil. And for that reason alone, uh, we're in a very strong advantage. We just need the political leadership of this country to, to demonstrate that. And that, by the way, Jalen, begins with uh, Trudeau uh, being less mealy-moused and uh, living up to the commitment that he made or his Minister of Finance made two weeks ago saying we have a plan ready to provide liquidity. It's a, and that's exactly what I think we need in the energy sector. Provide liquidity to get us over this, uh, this period of time because as we emerge from the pandemic, Demand for oil will resume. Demand for hydrocarbons will resume. Canada has to be there in order for us to get ourselves out of this major economic rut that we're going to find ourselves in very shortly. Um, Dan, just a couple of comments coming in on my text line this afternoon. It says, hey, you guys, TMX is being built. I live in Edson. I see progress every day. Yeah, it, it is. The question is when we're going to see more oil going through there. Um, and then someone else says, you know, TMX is getting built, and Keystone XL is a pipe dream that will be shut down by a Democratic president. You guys are showing bias, and it's disgusting. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, does he or they uh, use uh, health care? Do they uh, rely on pensions? Do the teachers uh, and others who, uh, or the B.C. politicians who have been opposing the Trans Mountain Pipeline invest part of their uh, their future in pipelines and the oil sector? Of course they do. I think we have to be very careful here that we don't involve ourselves in a double standard. I, I know there's some people out there who are well-paid to try to destroy the very thing uh, that, uh, that drives this country, but I was there as a member of Parliament in the 1990s and 2000s, and I know that the massive debt that we found ourselves in this country, only we only got out of it because we had the ability to download a little bit on the provinces, and we had a strong, burgeoning uh, energy sector in which we were able to sell a lot more oil. And make no mistake, Keystone is going to get built. Uh, Trans Mountain, well, that's something that was with perfectly within our purview, but we bent over backwards for every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's out there, and I think uh, Canadians are going to realize that the good old days of taking for granted the energy sector are over, unless, of course, you want to live in an environment where your social programs are no longer supportable. And I know, I know that the people who make those kind of comments are from the far left of the, of the spectrum. Remind them there will be no more social programs when there's no money to pay for it. That, that money doesn't grow off trees. 
Dan McTagg joining me this afternoon. You touched on this earlier. The uh, International Monetary Fund's chief economist says the world's been put into a great lockdown, predicting the world economy will suffer its worst year since the Great Depression, uh, will shrink by 3% this year. The Canadian economy, even more bleak, uh, bleak uh, forecast to shrink by 6.2%. Um, you, you touched on it a little bit on you know what this looks like when we, when we come out of the pandemic, when we start moving out of all of these restrictions that have been put in place and all of a sudden we've got a lot of things to pay for and, a, and an energy sector that is uh, is weakened uh, and we need that money that it has generated for so many years. So if you look in your crystal ball, what does the next six months to a year look like, Dan? Well, it's going to be very difficult and uh, uh, probably at some point uh, every business out there is going to recognize that uh, going into this pandemic is not quite the way they're going to emerge from I think it goes without saying we're heading in for a couple of years of extremely difficult times. And uh, uh, that, to me, is uh, something that every government is going to have to preoccupy itself with. Uh, and, uh, you know, short of pointing fingers, I think uh, it's time to fish or cut bait. Uh, either you have the ability to raise revenues to meet the uh, the debt requirements that you have uh, incurred uh, to, you know, stave off a far worse global recession or a domestic recession, or you wind up uh, in a situation where you, uh, you you never come out of this. And I hear some people suggesting that, oh, we can just do away with the oil sector. You know, that's a bit like saying, well, we can use, you know, we can get rid, we can get rid of the masks, the gloves, uh, the uh, personal uh, uh, equipment and, and, and care products that we need to prevent another pandemic. All of them derive, ironically, from the uh, hydrocarbons and uh, fossil fuels uh, sector. So coming out of this, everybody's going to be bruised. The question is, who is uh, strong enough to continue to grow their economy. And again, you know, when you, the numbers simply point out that your number one economy, your number one export, your number one producer of GDP is the energy sector, more than the manufacturing sector here in Ontario, more than the agricultural sector, uh, all those are important, but they do not quite amount to the strength and the potential of the oil sector in getting us out of this recession much quicker than others. So uh, thankfully, I think the message I think will come out to most Canadians that it's time to back off this uh, climate hysteria. It's clear that uh, politicians, many in the media and others, uh, had backed the wrong crisis. The pandemic was the crisis. Now we have to address it. We have to address the fallout. And to do that, we're going to need the financing and the revenues to uh, to get us back on track. To me, selling oil to a market that will be waiting for uh, more Canadian product is uh, the best way to go. And I think uh, the federal government should have a plan. If it doesn't, then perhaps it wants to call an election and have someone else who will. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, what, why do you think the dragging of the feet? We, we keep hearing that something's coming, something's coming, but we haven't seen anything. Um, everyone's wondering why. And I, and I guess my second part of that question would be, if there is a plan, what do you think it's going to look like? Well, the plan has to be one of providing uh, support for companies that are involved in exploring uh, and producing energy, uh, whether that's natural gas, whether that is the oil industry. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we provide them the ability to get over this uh, and bridge this uh, this very significant gap, which is no part of fault of their own and for which uh, I think uh, emerging from this, uh, they'll be a lot stronger. Uh, 
that's what I think the government has to announce. Of course, it has direct programs available to health workers in the short term, uh, you know, very small amounts uh, that they can take advantage of and small business as well, as long as they are, you know, uh, business, SIBA and other uh, programs that have been put out there. But I think for the energy sector specifically, uh, all other sectors that the Prime Minister referred to are important, but none has been more, I think, uh, set aside or uh, given a sense of disrepute as the oil industry has. And for me, it seems a little ironic that the federal government that is going to need that industry to be very strong and survive is the one that they seem to have uh, uh, really been dithering. And uh, I have to go with what the finance minister had said a couple of weeks ago. We have a plan ready. That plan hasn't happened yet. You've got the OPEC decision that's now taking place. We see that the world is still in trouble, that uh, the cuts were not enough. Uh, so I think it's up for the now to the federal government to say we're putting our best foot forward. We're going to back our winner here. We're going to make sure that we have uh, a revenue generator that will get us out of this problem much quicker than perhaps... Uh, if we had uh, suggested we go elsewhere. What I'm concerned about, though, Jalen, is I'm hearing from some sectors, whispers out of cabinet, you've got some of these folks who actually think, oh, this would be a great time to just shut down the fossil fuel industry altogether, and uh, maybe we can just move to uh, solar panels and uh, and, and windmills. Uh, I can tell you that that would be, uh, you know, making a cataclysmic error, uh, and it would lead to significant dislocation. We don't make windmills, and we don't make uh, photovoltaics in Canada. We'd have to import those as well. It creates very little in the way of jobs and most of them survive simply by subsidies, usually by higher prices for Canadians. And that, uh, to me, is just not the place where I think the Liberals want to go, unless they all want to face the fate in eastern Canada that they face in western Canada in the next election. Mm -hmm. Interesting stuff. Dan McTague joining us this afternoon. Always good to get your perspective on this. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate this, Jalen.